And I'm, go- I'm doing it with myself because revival begins with you. It doesn't. I want to start a revolution. I'm not talking about like Cuba. I'm talking about, I want to start a love revolution. I want to start a, a, a and I don't, 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 don't get, don't throw this word out. A holiness, a righteousness revolution. I say that because in, in, the book, in, in the book of Romans, and don't turn there, it says don't be conformed to the world. That means don't allow the world to press you into its mold. All of us, if you're, born, if you're here, you're a Christian, never be ashamed of the fact that you go through temptations and you have the flesh. But don't pretend like you don't. You have to go, listen, I'm, I, I have a flesh. I, I, the Apostle Paul made a statement. He said, I keep my body under. That meant that he had trouble with his flesh. We can't go through life pretending like we've all arrived and we never have problems. But we also can't pretend like they don't matter. They do matter. So I'm going to read something to you that Timothy wrote, or, or God the, the Holy Ghost had Timothy write, or Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, know this, that in the last days, does anybody think we're there? Perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Whoa. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, from such turn away. The world we're living in today is changing. Now, I'm, I think if you're like me, I'm, I'm almost appalled at what I see on Facebook. I'm, I'm appalled at what the world is calling a new normal. Uh, and, and I'm not going along with it. I'm not, I, I, I personally am going to stick with tried and true. There's a standard, there's a bar, and this is it. And what I'm starting to see happen is as the, as the world gets crazier, Christians are getting crazier. And I, I would like to change that. So, so here's my thinking on this. Because when you start walking around saying, well, let's preach on holiness, that's, that, that word doesn't go over real well in church. Because it conjures up ideas of, you know, you're taking your makeup off and, and, putting, and putting on a dress and then just getting as ugly as you can look. It, it, it conjures up images of bondage and all kind of stuff because the church has called that that in the past. And that's not holiness at all. But yet, the Bible says without holiness, you won't even see God. So it is time for us to start, start thinking because if the church is supposed to be a light to the world. Now listen to what I'm, listen, just listen to what the, I'm going to say. This sets the stage. We're not supposed to be the world's not supposed to be changing us. We're supposed to be changing it. And yet I'm starting to see that the world is having a greater impact on the church than the churches for the world. I would like to, at least this church, to change that. I'd like for our church to change our community. For us to set the standard of what's right and wrong. And not the world. And that, that takes a revolution to do it. it. It takes a mindset to go, I'm not going, I'm not going down that path. I'm not going to become like that. If you can't live for God today, what are you going to do when it gets tough? You know how to think about this a little bit. He never told you it would never get hard. Amen? So we just read that, and I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 6 with me. We're going to go a little slow to begin with, and we'll get over on the love walk in a little bit, but uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 11, but we've got to set a stage here. It says, O Corinthians, I spoke to you openly, my heart is wide open. You are not so restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own afflictions, your own affections. Now in return for the same I speak as to children, you also be open. 
Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? He's not telling you to get out of the world. He's telling you don't be like it. What accord has Christ with Belial, or what part was a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them. I'll walk with them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what's unclean, and I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises... Beloved, cleanse ourselves from filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Like I said, really, the church today, we should be a light to the world. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration here, and I want you to think about what I'm going to say. We, we've bought into this idea that because I'm a Christian, I'm a light. That is true. But are you a 60 watt, 100 watt? What, what are you? And to the degree you have renewed your mind to the word. Listen, I'm a, this is heavy. It's going to be a heavy statement. Is the degree the life of God shines through you. It, whatever you're not doing, you don't really believe that. Mind renewal is not getting your brain to agree with the Bible. Mind renewal only happens as you do what the Bible says. So when you got born again and you made Jesus Lord, your mind became renewed as you acted and received him. Your mind became renewed to Jesus as Lord and what it means to be a Christian. Not because you read John 3.16, but because you acted on John 3.16. Do you see that? Then you left that church, came to a church like this, you got hungrier for God. You started hearing about the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You heard about it. You didn't know anything about it because if you've never been to New York, you can't tell anybody about New York because you've never been to New York. I told the early church this, and I, want to, I, I read a book one time on having a baby. All the women are looking at me. And I told Lisa I know all about it. And she said, you don't know anything about it. Why did she say that? Because I never had a baby. Just because you read a book on having a baby don't mean you know anything about having a baby. You talk to a woman who had a baby and didn't read the book, she still knows more about having a baby than you know about having a baby. What happened in the church today is that we've, we think because we know about that subject that we have our mind renewed. You don't. You only have your mind renewed to what you're doing. If you've never spoken tongues, you don't know anything about that subject. So quit writing books on it. There was a man a few years ago who wrote a book on, on marriage, and he'd never been married. I never read the book. People told me, and it was the biggest bunch of hogwash you'd ever read in your entire life because there's only one way to learn this. You're going to have to get married. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. All right. So what's happened to us is that we come along and saying, well, we believe in this, but if you're not doing it, you really don't believe it at all. So rather than preach on holiness, I've decided that let's do it. What would be the one thing that would cause us to live right without having to study all of the do's and don'ts? Walking in love, right? Because, because the Word of God says, He who walks in love hath fulfilled the law. That means if you just get your love walk down, you are kicking. You're, you're doing something. And I've also found out it's not as easy as you think it is. In other words, we need to start being, we need to literally take the commandment to love God with all your heart and your neighbor yourself to heart and study what does that really mean. And I started studying it, and I, every time I study it, about every three months or four months you come in this church, I'll come back to preaching on walking in love. Why is that? Because I will learn a certain amount and walk in it. 
then God will bring me back and add to it. Let me, let me tell you, that you did it too. When you went to school, they started you off with A, B, C, D, and one, two, three. They began you at the basics. The next time you went back to school, they started putting those letters together and making words. Then they started putting the numbers together and making numbers out of it. Then they started adding them, subtracting them, multiply them, dividing them. One day you ended up in a calculus class. So church is exactly the same way. Sometimes you come in and we're at this place in God where we're learning about things. But six months later, God will bring you back and go, I think there's some more you can learn about that subject. You don't know everything about that subject. So that's happening in me again, where God is bringing me back and going, I want to do a work in the people in your church. I want them to move on in the things of God. You cannot walk in God without walking in love. If you're not in love, you're not walking in God. Well, that's a very heavy statement, isn't it? So that would mean that if you really wanted to have a good walk with God, you're really going to have to focus on your love walk, which is holiness. That's amazing, isn't it? Amen. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. All right. Now, there's three areas of your life you're going to have to attend to, and I don't want you to go there. I'm just going to mention them, that you're going to deal with while you're on this world, on this earth. The world, your flesh, and the devil. They're against you. They're doing their best to stop you. You've got to be aware they're there. You cannot pretend like they don't exist. The world is trying everything in its power to press you into its mold. Now, Hollywood is not the standard. So if someone in Hollywood is living like hell, why do you want to be like that? You don't want to be like that. So you've got to make up your mind that you are the standard. Okay, I'm going to say something and I don't want any of y'all get mad at me. I have no tattoos and earrings. I don't need them. What do you need to tattoo yourself for? So you can look like a somebody from the world? Now you need to stop sometimes and think, now if you have tattoos, I'm not condemning you. Are y'all out there or did you go home? Why in the world do you think you got to look like everyone else? That is bred from insecurity. I'm going to tell you another one. Harley Davidson says they don't sell motorcycles. They sell image. Do you know what the image they're selling? A bad boy image. Now let me help y'all with something. You can spend $25,000 for a Harley... Or seven for a Honda. And a Honda is a better motorcycle. I'll come over here and preach. I'm just going to. I don't need a Harley to give myself image. I'm a man whether I ride a, if I ride a moped. Uh, I'm going to prove it to you. You take a diamond, you put it in a sack. It's a diamond. You take a diamond and put it in a gold bag. It's still a diamond. If you take cat litter and put it in a gold sack, it's still cat litter. The bag doesn't, make, doesn't change you. The, you. You can't change you with the product you buy. You, you're not changing you because you change the way you look. That's called being conformed to the world. It is forcing you into its mold. And they are crazy. I'm not going crazy with them. All right. Number two, the world, the flesh. You're going to have a flesh. You always had a flesh. You're always going to have a flesh. Your flesh does not know who you're married to, so you got to remind it. That woman walking down the beach is not your wife. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. And all the men going, change to the next one now, Pastor. Keep going. <laughs> the world, the flesh, and the devil. There is a devil, and he really, listen, he's not, he's not all that, but if you open the door to him, he's going to come in. 
you cannot invite a pig into your house and tell him to stay in the kitchen. If you invite the devil in, he will tear everything up. So don't invite him in at all. All right, so those are three areas that we're going to have to deal with in our life. And we're gonna help, I'm going to help you with that. Go to Matthew 16. Anybody want to do a revolution with me? I love Osell. He just jumped on that. Hallelujah. You guys, you know what? This is the group right here. This, this is the anointed section of the church right here. And the only reason Jackie's back there is that there's not much room up there for her. Matthew 16, 24. Now, now, this is very different than the way the average Christian thinks. If anyone desire, Jesus said to his disciples, anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and he ever loses his life will find it. What profit is a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If, if for the Son of Man will come in his glory with his Father and his angels, and he will reward each one of us according to our works. Jesus is returning. Now, a Christian is supposed to be a person who is a disciple. That's what you said when you came in. When you came to Jesus, you made a vow Jesus is Lord, and you bowed your knee and said, be the Lord of my life. We assume that when you come into the church. Do you understand that we're not allowed to change the doctrine just because you didn't like it? All this book, we're supposed to be using this book. This book is going to tell you who to marry and who not to marry. Don't find your husband in a bar and try to turn him into a Christian. I'm over here in the young section. It's like, what's she? I don't care how cute she is. I told the boys, I said, is that the girl you want to raise your children? And they have had some pretty girlfriends. Not smart, but pretty. And one of them looked at me one day and said, no. I said, well, why are you dating her? It got real quiet. It was in my revving room just like it did just now. <laughs> and he went, I don't know. And I said, well, I don't think that's the right one, do you? Now, see, when they get older, I, I got to tell you something. I don't tell them what to do. I will offer them suggestions. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Mama offers them suggestions, and, you know, I don't tell them what to do, but I say, have you considered this? Amen. So I do that. So, so, so a Christian is a person. So, so really, the commandment to walk in love, it really is a commandment. We should be the standard. We should be changing society and not society changing us. That's what. So, so that's what Jesus started a church, and we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And, and we should be the light in the world. If you're a 60-watt bulb, you can become a 100 or a, or a 240. You can, you can let your light shine brighter than it is. But the more of love you have, the more of God you have. Just because you're born again doesn't mean your light's shining. But you're going to have to work on your walk with God in order for that to happen. Now, Ashley and I went out uh, yesterday. My daughter took me out for Father's Day because she was in Haiti. And she took me to the melting pot. And that's that place where you take your steak and you stick it in the, the, the brew. Oh, the food was fabulous. The salad was fabulous. The, and my favorite was at the end. You take strawberries and dip them in dark chocolate. I looked at that girl and I begged her, bring more strawberries. And she did. We had yin and yang chocolate. And Ashley does milk. I do only dark. So we had yin and yang. We had half. But after about three strawberries, yin became yang and yang became yin. So I forgot what I was going to say all about. Will you tell me what in the world I was going to say? I'm telling you this whole story, and now i got to tell you. Now you got to tell me what I was talking about. Huh? 
Yeah, that helps a little bit. No, I remember what. I just seen if y'all pay attention. Ashley just got back from Haiti, and I asked her a question. And because we all do this, she said they need shoes and they need clothes and they need medical attention, and they do. I'm not. I'm not in any way saying no, they don't, and I'm not in any way saying we don't give to people. But what's the real issue with people in third world countries? Why is the country third world? Because they don't have God. That's a heavy statement, guys. If you'll give them Jesus, and Jesus comes in them, and they grow in God, the poverty will bow. The sickness will bow. The, the more of God you have, the more prosperity and the more health you will walk in. The less of God or the less. So let's change the word from God to the word love. The more you and I walk in love, the healthier we will be. The more we walk in love, the better our families will be. The better our children will be. The better society. Because society is coming out from the inside of you. It's not, it's not external. It's internal. We create the atmosphere in our house. We're creating it at work. We're creating it everywhere we go. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He wasn't telling you to go to Haiti. He's telling you to go to work. You take Jesus to work with you. Change the atmosphere of where you work with God. How do you take God to work? You take love to work. So the more of your love walk you have, the more of God you have. That's a powerful statement. I just did a really good job. And got three amens and a grunt. Okay. All right. Matthew 7, 21. Flip the page a couple over. Let's go and look at another scripture. Just going to read a few here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Folks, this is not about coming and praying a prayer and sitting in church. That's not Christianity. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does, does, the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, we prophesied. We cast out devils, raised the dead, healed the sick, and ran out. We even jumped in church. And I'm going to clear to you, I never knew you. Depart from me who practice what? Lawlessness. We're not supposed to be living lawless. We're not. We're, we're not. We should be raising our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And for whatever reason, we think that they're going to catch it by osmosis. They don't. I have found the difference, and, and, and if, you're, if, you're on the, if, if you are politically on the left, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. But I found the difference between a person on the left and a person on the right. The people on the left never got spanked, and the people on the right did. Because they're a bunch of spoiled, rotten brats, throwing temper tantrums at 40 years of age. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. There are some of us that learned right from wrong growing up. My parents used a paddle. And so they taught me, if you do it again, I brought you in the world, I will take you out. And I learned, I learned not to do certain things because there were repercussions for it. But I think there's people right now on Facebook that never had a spanking. So I think the way to fix the politics in America is line some people up and give them spanking. <laughs> Did you get spankings? You got whippings? Good. I'm proud of your mama. That's probably why you're so sweet. <laughs> now, if that upsets you, then just get upset. You know why people don't know anything? They don't listen to people who are different than them. 
if you want to learn something, you might want to sit with someone who disagrees with you. You want you get to be afraid of talking to someone who differs than you do. Thank y'all for y'all's enthusiasm. I was talking to a Cuban the other day who said he won't vote Republican because, because he doesn't agree with them. And I said, so you want to bring the communism you left here? Well, he just got mad. You, you know, you need to have some conversations with people. And if they, do, if they hurt your feelings, and at least, are y'all okay with all that? We, we have gotten to the place in this country where we talk to people with our fingers in our ears. Don't be afraid to listen to somebody else's point of view. They might know something. It got real quiet. Anyway, let's get back on the love walk. That's why we're preaching on love because love doesn't get offended. You're going to find that out. Okay, verse 24. Whoever hears these sayings of mine doesn't will be likened to a wise man who built his house on the rock. What he's trying to tell you is don't build a house in Daytona Beach. Lisa told me that one day. She said, well, they disobeyed God. They all built on the sand. Their houses fell down. And the rain descended, the floods came, winds blew, beat on the house, and it did, and it did not fall. Now, let me say something here, and I want y'all to hear me. The wind is not the problem. The rain is not the problem. It's the way you built the house. Every time somebody comes in my office and wants to counsel with me, they sit down and tell me all about the problems they're having. The problem's not your problem. If your house is falling apart, it's the way you built it. You, you have not cracked your Bible, and now you want your life to turn out right. It's not going to. Are y'all listening? Now, here is the reason I'm preaching on love. If you don't learn to walk in love, when the storm comes, your house is crashing. It is. It's going to crash. I don't care if you're a Christian. It's going to crash. Because it's not the circumstances. We're always talking about the circumstances. So I'm going to give you another analogy here, and I want you to listen to me because I want you to make some adjustments. Let's say that we're, we got 10 people and, and we're in a foot race and we're going to run a mile. And I'm coming around the corner and I'm number four. That means there's three people ahead of me. I got two options. I can either build my muscles and get faster or I can kill the first three people. I would win. Wouldn't I? All right. I'm going to make a statement here, because I want you all to leave with something. Killing the people around you is not making you better. And that, that's, where, that's why we're not walking in love, because we're wanting everybody around us to change so we can have a better day. They're not your problem. You're the reason you are, is because you don't run very fast. If you want to win the race, then do what it takes to win the race. That, boy, I'm preaching really good. I mean, I've been as guilty of this as everybody in this room. I had a girlfriend one time when I was in, in junior high. And uh, she had like three or four boyfriends. And I threatened to beat them all up. And I got to thinking one day, maybe the boys are not the problem. Are y'all out there? Do you go home? It's a, see, it's amazing how we think. That's the way Hitler got into office. Everybody running against me, kill them. And you'd be surprised at how many people that come to church when things aren't going right, they're just going to kill the people around them. I don't like you very much. Shut your mouth. And next thing you know, you're all over somebody for doing something might have been wrong, you're, but, but, but they're messing up. They th you think they're messing up your life. No, no. Your life is messed up because of you. Boy, if you ever just got that part, just get that one part down, you're going to walk out a day and go, it's not my spouse's fault that I'm unhappy. It's not my boss's fault I'm broke. 
It's not the government's fault. You ain't got nothing. It's yours. That don't preach real good. People don't like that. But it's the truth anyway. All right, boy, thank you for that. I got, I got Tim over there saying amen, man. We're having a revival in this church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Go to Romans 12. And I got to skip some scriptures, but we're going to come back to this next week. Romans 12, verse 9. I'm glad you all are excited about this. I had to raise the first service from the dead. No, not really. I'm just kidding. They, they did pretty good. They did pretty good. Romans 12, 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. What does that mean? Back in the days of Shakespeare, it was against the law for a woman to be an actor or an actress. Only men. But all of the plays were done by one man. In other words, Shakespeare played Romeo and he played Juliet. So it went like this. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou? I'm over here, baby. And he's got this mask. And the way he's changing characters is by picking up a different mask. That's why when y'all see the old movies, they always have a mask that's called a hypocrisy the mask hypocrisy means to wear a mask to pretend like you're someone that you're not so he said let your love be without hypocrisy now now this is what that means to you and I are you ready for this it means don't have a standard for yourself and a different one for everyone else now, now this, this scripture helped me. It helped me with my marriage. It helped me pastor. Because I had a tendency to think that when I messed up, you needed to be more patient with me. But when you mess up, straighten up. How many of y'all have ever been guilty of that? And we do it with our spouses. We do it with our kids. We have one, I got a standard for Lisa, and I have a standard for me. The standard for Lisa is now. The standard for me is be patient. Don't you understand that I, know, that I just, I'm trying? But am I doing that with her? Do y'all, are y'all getting this? This is good. And because of this, we have a tendency to be hard on one another because he said let your love be without the hypocrisy if whatever standard you have for yourself make that the standard you have for other people in other words do you want people to be patient with you then be patient with them so Jesus said whatever you would have men to do to you do you also to them, that hangs all the law and the prophets. How do you want to be treated? That right there would fix your life. Boy, this is good preaching. But yet I'm finding out that we're not, we're not doing that. We have a standard where everyone around us, man, you'd better be right on all the time. Now, I'm going to tell you something about pastoring. I found out a long time ago, I'm only as good as my last sermon. Because I could preach 50 weeks and they'd be great. But 51, there are people that would leave the church. Don't shout me down. Well, he said so-and-so, I'm out of here. Well, you're a hypocrite. Because that's not the way you want to be treated. That's called, we're going, to get into, we're going to get into the love walk in a minute, but the first one is patience. And the word patience, all that it means is giving grace. That's all that it means. It just means give them the time to grow. Be patient with them as they're endeavoring to do this. This, 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 this is what 
holiness is all about. So Jesus said, the commandments hang on love God with all your heart and your neighbor as as much as you love yourself. He didn't say don't love yourself. But he said, if you're going to do it for you, don't just think me, me, me. So church is a community. Most Christians in here don't know anybody but their own family. Now you know why this love walk's not easy. Because that means you're going to have to get outside. See, this, there's, a, there's a part of this that's going to, you're going to get uncomfortable. You are, you are. If you're going to walk in love, the selfishness will end. And that's why people, that selfishness is nothing but self-preservation. So, are you all okay? If you're not, it don't matter anyway. John 13. Go to John 13. I'm out to start a revolution, and I'm, and I'm, I'm starting it with Lisa because she really needs this. No, I'm teasing y'all. If it doesn't start with me, it doesn't begin. Now, let's go back to something else Jesus said. Why do you worry about the log in someone? Your, why do you worry about the speck in someone else's eye and you, and you got a log in yours? The easiest thing in the world is to see what everyone else is doing wrong and to justify what we're doing wrong. And that's wrong. Because it's easy to say, well, that's not what I meant. Well, I don't know what you meant. I only know what you did. So why don't you flip it? Why don't you have more patience with others and get a little tougher on yourself? So if you're going to walk in love, you're going to develop it. So I'm going to tell my story again that you've heard before, and I know you probably don't like it, but I'm going to tell it to you. And it's the story of my failed garden. I decided one year to start a garden because I love fresh cherry tomatoes cut up in my eggs in the morning along with onions and fried okra and fried green tomatoes. I'm telling you, when you have a garden, it's the bomb. It is the, it is the neatest thing to walk out there and to eat the food before the birds do. But I had another problem. My ground is as black as, as this young lady's, um, I forgot your first name, son. Once you get here for a while, I'll remember you. Her shirt. My, my, my dirt's black. Boy, the weeds grow. I mowed my grass Wednesday. It's a foot tall. This rain is not doing me anything. But I have really good soil. Now, the problem with my soil is every time I would go out there looking at my cherry tomatoes, I'd have a hard time finding the bush for the weeds. I was only gone a week. All right, now listen to me what I'm going to tell you. If you're not going to cultivate the garden, it's not going to grow. And listen to my heart. If you're not going to cultivate love, you're not going to do it. You're just showing up at church. And you're really not helping yourself. So your, your life's going to look like my garden. Weeds and grasshoppers. Y'all ever seen those things about that? They're big enough to hit with a BB gun. I found that out. <laughs> I even mounted one in the bedroom grasshopper. <laughs> not really, not really. <laughs> y'all, I have to have fun with y'all because sometimes y'all's faces are so terrible. I have, to, I have to crack jokes to keep myself happy, you know. Not really. Uh, John 13. 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I loved you, that you love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love, love one for another. Chapter 14, verse 21, and he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I'll manifest myself to him. He's not coming to your house until your house is in order. There are areas, now go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and let's start Let's start taking uh, the love chapter apart. You know, years ago, I, um, I started studying love, and the Lord showed me something about light. 
light is made up of colors. And when you run light through a prism, it'll break those colors down into green and blue and yellow, and it's beautiful. But those colors are all in light. Love is made up of nine different colors. And it's, if you want to understand love, you're going to have to break it down to see it. Now, one thing I learned about color, if y'all would like to know it, did you know that, um, that Tom's shirt is not blue? Did you know that it's every color but blue? Then why does it appear to be blue? Because blue, the color, whatever pigment is in this shirt, the only color of light that this shirt is reflecting and rejecting is blue. It appears blue to you. That shirt's every color but blue. So you think it's blue. I'm not even going to charge y'all for that lesson. <laughs> is that not the coolest thing? So that's where color in your eye comes from. It comes from the fact that there really is all these different colors inside of light. Well, where, where your love walk comes from is the fact that there's more to it than just love. It's literally broken down into pieces you can understand. And in order to have love, you've got to have all nine of these in your life. Not just a couple or two or three. You can't reject them. You've got to have them all. So let's start. Are y'all ready? We got 18 minutes left in this morning before I turn you loose and let you go get something to eat. So, um, love, let, let me just read it to you. Anybody ready for this? Because I've been preaching all morning. I'm just now getting to my sermon. 13, 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, is not parades itself, is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. It thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. Now, he's broken love down into sections, and um, there's a bunch of these words. I never even knew what they meant, like patience. We're going to start off with love is patient, and I, I'm a, I think everybody in this room is thinking, I hate that word, but I'm going to tell you, it's not the booger that you think it is. Now, this is what I thought patience was you go to walmart and you're in a long line there's 10 people in front of you and you stand there to, and you're you're coming person after person and they get to you and they put a sign up registers closed and and they don't and they just walk away they don't say please go over there and get in this line i mean you look over and the other line has 10 people in it so you're back in the same position you were 15 minutes ago when you came to Walmart and you're standing there going, love is patient. And you're not patient, you're mad as a hotcake and you're thinking, this is wrong. Am I right? Am I the only one? Okay. Now I hate that. And, and I've always tried to be patient and I've never gone through those lines without thinking, I mean, this is absolute. Sam Walton died or something because it used to didn't be this way. So anyway, we've all thought that's what patient meant, and it might mean that, but let me give you the real definition of patience. Patience means to suffer long. It means to give grace. Go to Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to show you what patience is. Once you learn what it is, you're going to be a whole lot not happier with a word than, than the definition I just gave you. Revelation chapter 2. Let me read this to you so that this makes sense when we do it. 2.20. Jesus is talking to the church in Thyatira. He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allowed that woman Jezebel, calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things offered to idols. I gave her time to repent. What is that? That's patience. It isn't that you and I are to allow wrong to happen. When we're around people, and let's use our spouses as an example, easiest thing in the world is to expect them to get whatever it is they're doing wrong quickly. 
and they're not going to. So we become impatient. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. All patience is, it just means to give people grace. Give them time. It doesn't mean forever. So let me give you, how do you know how much patience to give? I think one of the most patient people must be a kindergarten teacher. I do. Kids come in, they can't read or write. And so they bring out the paper and they're going, hey, and the kid is, hey, hey, And they're all over the paper and the A looks like a sideways T and it just don't. And yet, she's working with them for how long? Nine months. But what happens at the end of nine months when they still can't, they don't even know A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Well, they go back. Used to. They should. That's not, that's not love. Love does not mean that you agree with everything everyone does. It does not mean that you like what your spouse is doing. Doesn't mean you like what other people are doing. You can disagree and go, I don't like that. But it means that you and I need to learn to be patient with them as they're learning like you did. Because there's coming a day when you need to move on to taking those letters and making words out of them. And your, your first grade teacher is going to need to be patient. Not forever, but for nine months. And if not, then you get to do it again. That's just the reason why we have a problem when we hear about the fact that God really does judge people. It got quiet. God does judge his church. Contrary to everything you've ever heard. It's not condemnation. It means that after a while, he's going... <laughs> We've been working on this one issue with you for a while. And now I'm going to step in and I'm going to put a stop to it myself. And yet we hear, well, God loves us. Yeah. Are y'all okay? Are you? This is why the church, if there is no ramification for wrong, why change? Now, Listen as I say this, because this is not popular with people. If, if you're Jonah and you go the wrong direction, God will find a well. And he'll suck you up and barf you off in Nineveh. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm, and I know y'all are excited about this. But for whatever reason in the church... We have this idea because he loves us. It doesn't matter what we do. You, hey, sweetheart, it matters what you do. You, you might be having a trouble right now in one area, and I'm going to tell you, God will be patient. We should be patient, and we will. But next year, we're liable to say something stronger than we said it last time. And you're going to get offended and change churches. That's how you handle correction. But God knows where you went. He didn't lose track of you. He's already got that pastor lined up with a sermon just for you, baby. And those people are not going to put up with your crappy stuff either. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. So, so this whole idea of, of holiness or living right, we've really not given it the due it needs because we, in America, we're, we've gotten to where we're just kind of whatever. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God don't play that game. He's not playing a game with you. When he tells you that you're to love, he really meant that. And when he tells you don't, it meant don't. And, when, you know, with the cookie jar thing, when you come in the kitchen and you say, have you been in the cookie jar? And you got crumbs everywhere. Mama ain't, you know, she's not psychic. 
Now I'm going to tell you something about the boys. They hate it when I tell on them. If it ever got quiet in the house, they're up to no good. If Buddy the dog comes to the back porch and starts, I read dog. That means you better go find the boys because they're up to something really bad. How many times did that happen? Yeah, I mean, the, when the dog tells on you, it's bad. You are doing something wrong. All right, enough of the boys. I know the boys don't appreciate all that. Hebrews chapter 12. So patient means don't be in a hurry. Be calm and give people time. That's what that means. And what that means is not that you walk in the store and there's 10 10 people in the line. It just means that if that's a brand new girl, let her learn a job. Just encourage her and stand there and be patient. But if she's been there talking, if she's over there yakking her mouth, you might want to say something. I got to tell on myself, I, I have, there's things about me that may not be the best in the world, but, but I do them anyway. I went into Walmart one day, and I'm back there buying a battery. And in the automotive section was about five or six people in line. And the supervisor was talking to the guy running the cash register and, and it had nothing to do with work. He's just running his mouth. And, he is in the, and this is going real slow. So I'm dressed up like I am now, which is not Walmart clothing. That means I don't look like everybody in Walmart. And I know I look important. I had on black. And so I came out of the line and I walked up to him and I said, why don't you open up a second register? Now. And I know what he's thinking. Who is he? And since he didn't know, he said, yes, sir, and open one. And I left with my battery real quick. You don't, don't try that unless you have a suit and tie on. <laughs> I wasn't being impatient. I'm just not going to tolerate slop. But, that, but if that guy's new, that's where God is talking. He wants you to take time with people. Be willing to work with them. Give people some time. Give people grace. And that's what that actually means. Are you in Hebrews? Okay, one, one more, and then we're going to go to kindness. And we actually have a few minutes. We can do this. Um, 12.5. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as a son, and if a son, then a father. Now listen, there is a time that God will deal with you on what you're doing. But don't be afraid that the moment you do something... But at the same time, now listen to this, just because you got away with it does not mean God didn't know it or winked at it. Uh, It took me a while because there were times I did things wrong. The anointing didn't lift. I still spoke in tongues and the blessings didn't stop. I thought God was saying that my wrongdoing was okay. And a year later, I found out it wasn't. Just because he's being patient with me doesn't mean he liked what I was doing. Do y'all see that? So when he starts dealing with your heart, pay attention to him. But he's not going to drop the hammer on you fast. But he might drop it one day. And And that will be him loving you. Policemen are good. If you didn't have them, This would look like Guatemala or India. 
and you don't want to drive over there because it is crazy. And that's what happens when people do what they want to. So judgment is good. I know y'all have a hard time with believing that. I didn't say condemnation was good. I said judgment's good. All right, let's go to kindness. And then we'll stop with this. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, back over there. Love is patient. That means that you're giving people space. And it's kind. Now, it's a good thing I'm going to stop here this morning because I have a sneaky feeling that's all you're going to be able to handle this week. I think just the patient part's going to keep some of y'all up at night. It does me. The reason I say that is it does me. I found, you know why I learned that about your spouse is myself. I found out that I gave, I expected Lisa to do things right now, which means that I didn't even expect that from myself. And that's where I learned it. I went, wait a minute, I'm, I've got a double standard here. I'm, I'm being harder on her than I am even on myself. And that's where I started watching, you need to straighten up and, be, and just let her, let her give her some space and quit being so tough. Is that all right? Is everybody okay? I just saved marriages everywhere. Um, and I, I appreciate the fact that she does the same. Uh, 13, it says, love is patient, or love suffers long, and it's kind. Now, most people think that when they think of a puppy dog, and they think that, that you're just being sweet, but, but that isn't what that means either. Love being kind means that you've given yourself to kind deeds. All right, now this one's hard. What did Jesus say? Who did he say that you were to love? One another. And your neighbor as yourself. Then he went on to say, love your enemies. We have a tendency to be kind to people we like and unkind to people we don't. That makes this love walk tough because it is hard on your flesh to go do something nice when someone has been ugly to you. Wow. Say it backwards. Come on. Wow. Anybody here other than me ever had a hard time with that? Oh, I have. I have a tendency to whoop you and just tell somebody you fell off a log and just <laughs> not to bake you a cake after you've told me off. That is hard if you'll find out how, how your flesh rules you on that one alone. Boy, I got all kind of stories. Kind doesn't mean trying to please. It means giving pleasure. This is the way God treats you, with kindness. When you were bad, he did good for you. When you were ugly, he did good for you. When you were lost, he found you. That's the kind of agape love he's looking for inside of you. And you've got to know God loves you to act this way. Now, I got a few minutes. I'm going to tell one story and hopefully I'll quit. But when I first got born again, God got me a job at Certainty, and there was a, a black boy that came to work there uh, named, um, I think it was TJ. And uh, he looked like, he, he, he had cross eyes, so I never knew where he was looking. Because one eye was looking at me, one eye was looking everywhere else, and I never knew whether he was looking over there or watching me. But this boy had an attitude. I mean, he had a chip on his shoulders. And I mean, every conversation, he bit your head off. He had something smart to say. So I began to pray for him to leave. <laughs> I did. I said, God, I can't stand this guy. Get him out of here in the name of Jesus. I did. I learned that from y'all. I mean, I know how to pray. Kill him, Jesus. And the Lord said to me, he said, you know, you wouldn't say that if you knew him. I said, I said, let me tell you something, Lord. 
I have never met anybody with a worse attitude in my whole life than this kid. And he said, if you knew him, you wouldn't say that. I said, okay, what is it I need to know? He said, let me tell you about him. He said he was raised up in the Bronx. His mom and dad died when he was a boy, a little boy. His aunt raised him, and he was always the, the, the odd one. He was never treated kindly by anyone in the family because everybody knew he's not really one of the kids. And he grew up with a chip on his shoulders because he's had life. He's been kicked from pillar to post his whole boyhood. He said, and then the Lord said, did you notice he rode up today with no coat? I said, no, sir, I didn't notice that he had no coat. It is, it is freezing outside. He's on a motorcycle and he has no coat. He said, why didn't you notice that? I, well, apparently I wasn't paying any attention. He said, I want you to go home. And I want you to give him one of your coats. I said, okay, sir. And he said, and I want you to treat him kindly. That was hard on me. We don't tend to treat people kindly who are always ugly to us. But yet, if you ever stop, there's an old adage, until you walk a mile in my moccasins, you don't know. You don't know what the person is going through right now. That's, they, it might not be you. They might just be having one really bad day. And they might need somebody to come along that's just kind. Come on, I'm preaching good. This is not easy to do. That's why I'm going to stop with this one. So I went and got him a coat. I had an old army coat that came down to about my knees and it had a liner in it. And it was one of those ones with the fur around it. So I never wore it because it was too warm. And I brought it to work and I walked up to him and I said, uh, TJ, I want to give you something. And his words were something along the lines of honky, I don't want your stuff. He just, and I looked at him and I said, I, and then I, I, I stopped him and I said, I have an, uh, I need to apologize to you. I said, I don't like you. He said, well, I don't like you. I said, well, we're both in agreement on that. <laughs> I said, but I didn't know about your childhood until because I went to the Lord and I was praying to get you out of here. I just don't like you. And he told me about your childhood. And he kind of looked at me and said, well, when did that become your business? Kind of a, you can understand how this conversation is going. And then I looked at him and, I, and, I, and, I'm out, and because the Lord showed me this, there came in my heart a real compassion for and I said, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't know what you went through. I didn't know about your aunt. I didn't know that your parents died. Now, this is a word of knowledge, and I'm prophesying to this boy because God loves him. The only person that God has to love this boy is going to be a Christian, me. And I'm not loving him at all. I'm mean to him. So I'm standing there, and I said, I'm sorry. I didn't know about your aunt raising you. I didn't know about your parents dying. I didn't know about all the trouble you've been through. I noticed you don't have a coat. And I'm gonna I want to give you mine. And, and we're standing outside. It's cold. He begins to weep and the tears are freezing on his face. He took the coat, said thank you, and him and I became friends. Amen. Now, do you understand... What I'm preaching is heavier than what you're hearing. The world needs to see Jesus. If they don't see him in us, they will never see him. We've got to start being a little nicer to people around us. It's not up to us to decide why this guy's mean as a junkyard dog. It's up to us to love him as Christ loves the church. And when we start thinking this way, our world around us is going to change. I hope that helps y'all some. Uh, I'm out of sermon, y'all. Um, there's a lot more I could say. Um, real fast. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Do you think he was inconvenienced? I mean, it's not like he had a ministry. He had somewhere to be. He had something to do. 
but he saw a person in need and he stopped. Now, I'm not telling you there's seven, eight billion people on the earth. I'm not telling you to take care of everybody. But there are people around you and I right now, they need kindness and they don't deserve it. If, if you and I are not kind to each other in this church, it's got to start here. It's got to start at home. Are y'all ready for the rest of this next week? I'm working on cultivating this. I will tell you, it's not easy to do it. That means that I'm having to wake up in the morning and read this over and over. And I find myself not doing it perfectly during the day, but I appreciate the fact that my wife is patient with me while I'm cultivating my walk with God. I'm going to ask you to do the same. The people that are around you are working on their walk with God. Allow them to do that. And love them in the middle of it. Is that fair? Okay. This starts at home with husband and wife. Are y'all ready? Start being patient and kind. That's your assignment for this week. Next Sunday, we're going to get into it in these not and what that means. Are y'all ready? Because I'm going to pray. Did y'all enjoy this? Did this help y'all? Father God, as a, as, a, as a church, we realize society is, is really not going this way. I have chosen, I think everybody in this room's chosen not to be pressed into society the way they act. But there's more to being a Christian than just coming in church and singing two songs and hearing a sermon. There's a walk that goes with this, a lifestyle that you gave us. I'm asking that the people that sound in my voice right now, for us to take it seriously. I know that we're not going to be great at this in the next week or two, but we need to begin somewhere. And we're going to begin right here. And I pray that the people in this church, families, husbands, and wives, would begin to work on this together. And we're going to see a move of God in this church where this church begins to affect the community around us with the love of God. And I give you thanks for that, sir, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Y'all were one. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.